Welcome to the Tales from the Treehouse podcast. This show is powered by Missing Link, who has been saving the world one board audience at a time. So if you are looking for extraordinary results, then you have come to the right place because we are about to take you on a journey of leadership that will rock your world. Hey guys, welcome back to another cracking edition of the Tales from the Treehouse podcast. Cracking. <laughs> I'm here with... Uh, Richard Mulholland. And? Don Packett. We have some very funny ways of holding microphones these days. Mm. <laughs> so I want to start off this episode called The Power of Perspective with a quote. And the quote's by our good friend, uh, Howard Mann. And the quote goes like this, quote, When you're stuck inside the bottle, you can't read the label, end quote. Now, I've been stuck. <laughs> like, no, no, like you just paraphrase. In paraphrase, yeah. That's exactly said, what he said. No, he says, no, no, no. it's hard to read the label from inside the bottle, end quote. No, he didn't. In this book, your business book guide. I can I, get a copy of this so we can read it. Dude, on my interview, that's not what he said. Ah, right. Fair enough. I guess ah. he can say it in different ways. Yeah. In the He's book, riffing. he says, in the book, he says it's hard to read the label from inside the bottle. But now I have a whole new perspective on that quote. Right, go, me too. Man. It's all about perspective. I want to phone Howard and tell him, why is he fucking with our mojo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> his... Guys, so you're in a bottle, right? <laughs> and you look around the bottle, and there's nothing you can see everywhere, but there's a white label there. And on the front of that label is a writing. Can you read it? No. Drops mic. Drops mic. <laughs> Walks out. Confuses audience. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just dropped the mic. He literally just, just dropped the mic. Okay. All righty. But I mean, it's important, right? This this concept of perspective because you aren't going to read the label. And oftentimes when you are stuck inside the bottle, you need that perspective. It's the two degrees, right? That gives you a new space within which to evaluate who you are as a business, as a leader. Um, as an entrepreneur, as a husband, father, wife, whatever, right? So, but perspective's got an interesting influence over your story, uh, specifically around 21 Tanks. Yeah, so um, uh, Rich and I started uh, 21 Tanks. Originally, Thunk, I won't go into the boring detail, but we started a perspective lab in 2008 after uh, repeatedly being asked by clients to join them in brainstorms because they, they used the term, we love your perspective on things. Where that came from was as a presentation strategy company, uh, we would deal obviously with a lot of content from companies. So um, keynote talks and uh, financial results and uh, we're driving new culture plans through the business, whatever that is, whatever content was was given to us, we would work with it. We would make sure that the content was correct and we would often add other stories, analogies, shuffling things around or saying to them, this is pretty cuck, why don't we try something like this? Um, so to, to help them, because from a very selfish perspective, I wanted to make sure that all the content that we were sending out of this office was good, right? And if the content that we were given wasn't good, we were going to help make it better. So that's where it came from. And then we would start uh, getting us into brainstorms that had nothing to do with Missing Link. And then uh, Rich and I would walk out of these big meetings, you know, chests held high thinking, yeah, we have changed the face of the banking industry. Uh, but it had nothing to do with Missing Link. So we decided this is a, just a bad plan. And uh, we started uh, 21 Tanks to help people run effective brainstorms to bring different perspective to their problems. I think this whole power of perspective subject is such an undervalued one. Um, and I want us to dive into just a couple of stories, if you guys don't mind. The first one, we're going to call the all-star story. Uh, so this was a client uh, that shared, wasn't doing very well as a business. Its share price was effectively you know, declining. Um, and Rich, what 
did you guys do for them that gave them the perspective that ultimately helped them regalvanize their business towards uh, a profitable one? Yeah, the realization was that uh, the perspective of the organization is the organization was on its way down. Their share price had gone from like 70 to 3 rand uh, and the people were feeling really, really low. And we were talking about how we were going to get the behavior change. And we were going to do this uh, communication at their next results around, guys, you got to lift up your socks and, and pay your, you know. And what we brought into me said, but guys, that's not bringing any new perspective. They know they have to lift up their socks, but you're not making a change. So what we suggested was, hey, what targets can we put in place that the guys could definitely hit? I think what your people need is a win. You need to change their lens. And so we came up with this whole program around the idea that, hey, let's create a victory condition that's actually very very uh, achievable because this is a group that basically felt like they were constantly 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 failing and what happened is we went out and we did this thing but then we threw the mother of all parties it was themed around the all-stars uh, we played that song and we they were the all-stars of the industry and everybody said that they couldn't do it but the, the red hot team at company x had turned the ship around and shown how they can go in the up and up and if we can achieve this we can achieve you know anything and it was hugely motivational. And the you know, CEO stood up and did a speech and said, guys, you know, nine out of the 10 departments hit targets and the 10th one, you know, we're just a, a shaving away. People said we couldn't do it, but we really can. And they started to believe. They started to believe they could. We changed their perspective uh, and uh, turned them around. And we actually began the process of this organization rebuilding the position of leadership. And I guess there's another great story, which, uh, can we mention the name of the bank? It was the sales pressure... <laughs> yeah, so I remember, um, I guess it's a similar level of perspective is that uh, one of the banks, was Standard Bank, came to us many, many years ago and they wanted us to create, they'd already done a lot of work on a sales tool, a sales guide. And they were sitting going through this, you know, we made the sales guide and we want to make it prettier and how can we do it? And we want to make sure our guys are able to, and uh, you know, present it well. And I said, well, what is it? They said, well, when you go see a banker uh, and you, the banker asks you, you know, uh, or the person asks you, hey, Mr. Banker, you know, what do I need? You can go through this tool and say, well, if they have this, they could have that. Or if they're in this financial position, they could have that. I said, oh, wow. So it's not actually a sales guide. It's actually a buyer's guide. And the truth is that what we realized is the bankers didn't want to see themselves as salespeople, right? And just by shifting that entire mindset, because they weren't using it, everything changed. So when we started saying, hey, guys, here's the buyer's guide. When the buyer is sitting in front of you and says, this is what I'm looking for, you can say, well, let's work on this together. And they literally moved around to the other side of the table. They sat next to the buyer, the person going to the bank, and they opened up and said, okay, so here's where you are right now. What is it you're looking for? Well, I need this, this, and this. Ah, so we need that, that, and that. And they plotted together what it was they required. And just by changing the perspective around a sales guide, which is, what are you trying to sell me? To a buyer's guide to help me fulfill what it is I need. Really, really a massive switch not just for the customer but also for the banker themselves because the banker wanted to help people facilitate the right product for them they see themselves as financial professionals they didn't want to be seen as salespeople, and so that small little perspective that realization that we were able to bring from the outside uh, really made a, a significant change into the way they ran that program yeah it's interesting for me because when you think about perspective more holistically i think you Let's say you're tackling a problem, right? You generally get your smartest people around a boardroom table or in a workshop sitting or at a conference or whatever the case is, and you say, we're going to solve this problem. And generally, when you have a whole bunch of smart people sitting around a table, it's not that there's a lack of knowledge to solve that problem. It's actually a lack of perspective. Totally. 
Yeah. Um, and I guess just to bring this really back down to th in the Missing Link context, Rich, you're actually stepping down from Missing Link because of perspective. Right. I mean, by the time this goes out, I would have stepped down as CEO, a position uh, you know, I've held since the company began. And the problem is that we want to reshape the company. And I realize that what I have, it's the one thing an entrepreneur loses, right? When you're an entrepreneur, the one thing you lose directly inversely proportionate to what to the new knowledge you gain is you lose your perspective. So every single day that I got better at running a presentation business, I lost the equal amount of perspective around how to start a presentation company. And I'm finding it so difficult to see the future because I'm so bogged down in the way things used to be run. And Don, who's the current CEO, he has so many ideas of what we can do to make this company great going forward. And while he's been involved in the business a lot, a lot of the decisions that I had made were decisions he'd inherited. So he doesn't feel that same level of necessarily, you know, the ownership with them. So he's able to come and bring a perspective to a new way of doing things. Yeah, absolutely. Look, the the biggest thing is we have been a part of this business together for a long time, but it's, it is extremely exciting to be able to see it fresh. Right. And I'm pushing myself as hard as possible to see it with, with new eyes. I'm speaking to a lot of different people outside of our uh, sort of, uh, you know, happy tree friend circle that you, you consult with. Even your groups of individuals that you speak to a lot, eventually you all, you see things similarly as well. So my goal, my personal goal is to continue to push and ask people from the outside to get a better perspective on stuff as well. But it is extremely exciting to try and change things. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like you losing someone that's been or had a seat at the table of your brain's trust, right? And the brain's trust must be, or a brain's trust rather, should be a critical lever that should pull in the context of perspective, would it not be? Absolutely. So when we started 21 Tanks and we started running these these perspective labs, we in every session brought in what we've referred to as a member from our brain's trust. And that is a smart individual from any field across sectors to bring in their perspective on the particular problem. What happened was often people would be, if you're talking about a, uh, a marketing problem in in booze, they would bring another booze marketer in, and that's just you just bring in the same uh, perspective in. So we would look at it, for example, if you're dealing with something with SAB from a marketing perspective, bring in someone from Nokia from a marketing perspective, because the, the problem isn't about selling booze or marketing booze. The problem is marketing in particular. And what they brought was uh, uh, experience and ideas and thoughts on how they would tackle it from a, in this uh, particular instance, uh, mobile phone perspective. Uh, and then what would happen is invariably, because there's still smart people in the room trying to solve their problem, is then they would apply that thinking to their particular problem. And that's where the power of that perspective comes in. Um, why? I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but have you found that perspective seems to be more commonplace the higher up the food chain that you go? So, for instance, a CEO versus, say, lower down in the kind of divisions, like a marketing manager, for instance. And if you have found that, why do you think that's the case? So, no, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I think that uh, smart people exist in all areas of organizations and are willing to change. I think, though, that the permission to change and to take that perspective is easier at the top. So, unfortunately, a person who runs uh, the marketing director of some of our clients, say a marketing manager and some of our clients, are absolutely amazing. 
And they, they take in this perspective and they see all these new ways to do things. The problem is often they're not able to action on it because they don't have the authority to, to utilize that, that to make meaningful change. Uh, we were working once, we were running a perspective lab for one of the big banks. And uh, I actually halfway through got so frustrated. You know, I often talk about the poem, The Ambulance Down in the Valley. It says, you know, it was a dangerous cliff, though they freely confessed, but to walk near its edge was quite pleasant. But over the cliff, it slipped a duke and it fooled many a peasant. People all said something has to be done, but their projects did not at all tally. Some said, build a fence at the top of the cliff, others an ambulance down in the valley. And the, the poem goes on, it's amazing. But the, the key lesson on that thing was that often our clients, lower down the food chain, are build an ambulance in the valley clients. But the, the, what we're trying to do is we're trying to solve put a fence at the top of the cliff solutions, right? If we can stop this from going away. And we were running this particular lab with this client and they were simply unable. We kept, I kept on pushing back and saying, no, but don't just do this. Don't make a better ambulance. Fix the fence. And eventually halfway through the lab at the break, they said, that's not our job. That's they not actually our... used the term that's above our pay grade, right? Really? Yeah, because it's true. Because there are certain things that they are responsible for that, as Rich mentioned, they have the permission and they're empowered to be able to do certain things. The fences at the top of the cliff, they do not have the power to be able to solve it to a point of often, you know, people talk about sort of corporate suicide, uh, bypassing your boss to speak to the other one because you have a good idea that your boss doesn't want to pass up for, for any particular reason. Uh, and there could be a multitude of reasons for that is they just can't do it. <laughs> and um, that particular one, I remember halfway through, I said to Don, I'm tapping out. I actually can't <laughs> deal with this anymore. It was quite enjoyable. Don and Trev carried on running it. And I phoned the CEO of the bank and I said, we need to have a cup of coffee. This is what, there's something happening in your organization that I think is fundamentally flawed. Can we? To his credit, he said, sure. And he met Don and I the next week. I think yeah. it was at Tasha's and Melrose Arch. And we sat down and we had a coffee and we told him, this is the problem. This is what you're trying to fix, but this is what you should be doing. And to him, when he saw that perspective, that outsider view on the business, because we were looking at it from a different, from a different perspective, he was like, dude, that makes perfect sense. And he was then able to put in play the actions. So it's not that the people don't have, can't appreciate perspective, but it is harder to action it. Yeah, and I guess this is a, probably a great segue to talk about Elon Musk here because, uh, Don, you've got a great story about the three types of people that he hired in order to uh, effectively enable perspective in or within the Tesla business. So it's actually three different people, you know, so the legend has it, three different people that were interviewed, essentially. So he interviewed a lot of people to uh, get uh, onto this, uh, the Tesla program in terms of building this. And for all intents and purposes, split them up into three different groups of individuals. So the first group was a simple question was, uh, what do you guys know about cars? And then that group was, oh, you know, so we dealt in the Formula One team, dealt exclusively with X, Y, and Z. We've built these cars from X, Y, and blah, 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 the next thing. And he said, thanks very much. Uh, and he didn't hire them. And then he went to the next group, for example, and he said, okay, so what do you guys know about cars? And then... Um, they would say, uh, oh, you know, so we think I understand combustion and this and that, the next thing. But for the most, I'm not an expert, but I know quite a bit about it. Uh, he said, thanks very much. And you guys aren't hired. And then he went to the last group and he said, hey, so what do you guys know about cars? And they said, oh, fuck me. I thought this was a, a, a job for electrical engineers. Right? I don't know my carburetor from my accelerator. Like I just know I put the foot down and it goes. And, um, and he said, oh, thank you very much. You guys are hired. Okay. He said, what he needed was 
I mean, basically like a toaster on wheels, right? Just electric. No bad perspective bringing into it. So we refer to this as subtractive perspective. Taking out the crap which you know you don't need and you know which perspective you do need um, makes for uh, better results. The key is that you, if you want to change something fundamentally, the one, I guess, takeaway from that is if you're running a great bank and you want to to become better at being a great bank and be a great new bank, don't hire bankers. Or, or absolutely have bankers, but hire somebody else. One of our favorite banking clients uh, that kind of we met years and years back, uh, they're one of the kind of merchant banks. And what I loved is where I was dealing with this person who was one of the heads of their project and structured finance division. In fact, uh, he, his partner went on to, to become the CEO of that bank. And uh, when I first met them and I was asking them about their history, the one guy was a banker and the other guy was a theater major. Right, and he'd never done banking in his life, but they wanted to bring somebody that had that creative thinking into their team. He went on to be one of the most senior people in the entire organization. And we're talking about one of the big banks, but he always jokes that it was his perspective. In fact, I mentioned him in my book, so I could probably mention it here. His name was Greg Ansomino. It was at Standard Bank. And um, he he uh, always said that one of his biggest skills was that he was able to think about it from the, his theater training point of view more than as a banker. I suppose this is why the skunk works. I don't know whether you're familiar with that story, but they it was World War II, so the story goes, they created literally a uh, a kind of an innovation center outside of the main corporate the structure. Yeah. Essentially, this is where, you know, because if you think about the analogy of startups going to corporates to die, because corporates lack the perspective that the startups once had. Do you know what I mean? There's almost like a, a, a kind of like a dissonance curve that's happening with regards to the equity of perspective when it goes into the big corporates. Right. And often so we've we found a lot of big companies try and start these little incubators and everything internally. And every single time someone mentions something like that, we always tell them to do it outside, not within the corporate structure, not within their um, uh, uh, processes because there's a bunch of red tape that needs to get done. Then you've got these meetings and committees and all the other crap that needs to get solved. You need them to to run free and to make mistakes and to try new things because if you continually have that big hand looming over you waiting to squash you down if you're not uh, coloring inside the lines, it's you're not going to grow at all. Right. I suppose it's a mindset problem actually. Do you know what I mean? Because if you think about the the saying that in a beginner's mind, there are many possibilities, but in the expert's mind, there are few. Shunryu Suzuki. Yes. yes. Ha. Ha. Kung yeah. Fu Ninja. No, it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful line. We actually had that written in our in our office on the wall, uh, painted on, because it really is, it, it, it solidifies the whole point of getting back to looking at things with beginner's eyes again. Um, because if you keep on considering yourself an expert in certain things, there's, there's no room for learning. You know, we've spoken about training uh, in other episodes as well. And if you're not willing to open your eyes to new possibilities again, then sorry. When we run those labs uh, for companies, we actually don't tell the brain trust member who they're seeing because we actually ran one once for Nokia. And we told all the guys, you're running one for Nokia. And when we brought in, we actually brought in three brain trust members there. They all arrived and they all, they, 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 like they, they had come preloaded with yeah. what they felt that they, yeah. they knew that, that I could fix the business this way. Yeah, that week leading up to it, I, they were just, I'm telling you, researching yeah. and trying to find it, it, solved all of their problems. I'm consulting for Nokia. So they came in, lacked, they thought they had prospective outsiders, but they came in. And so instead they were thinking, how do I solve Nokia? When in fact, 
when people arrive at a company, they sit in and when we bring them in, they come to our offices, they sit down, they meet a group of executives and the group of executives start discussing the problem they're facing in their business without talking about the business name. And then what happens is the person's offering perspective and the key for us was always find people from different industries. If you're struggling with something in banking, uh, it's amazing what happens though because we'll start listening to this banking problem. And this guy in the room who might be the head of procurement for breweries and he's sitting and he's listening to this and he's thinking, are these guys stupid? Because we've solved this problem. I mean, this isn't even a problem. This is just how we do this at breweries is this. And you actually see that moment where they're, they're sitting there thinking, why, why, what's wrong? And then they're, then they're coming through and then they, there's that point of realization and they always say the same thing. They say, guys, for fear of saying something stupid here, but at breweries, we do it this way. And it's so obvious to them. And the people around the bank from the bank are like, wait, what? I don't, you know, and the two things are that the kind of I wanted to mention there is the one is don't let your people come preloaded to the company or to the brand. They must always come preloaded to the problem. So you want to bring in those outsiders into your business in the brainstorm. We're saying you're not trying to solve a problem at this bank. You're trying to solve this problem. And the less information you can give them before they start going into the in-session discovery, the better you are. Just a comments on that. I think have you ever you must have come across that expression. Oh well, you know whatever you come up with as a solution to the problem must be on brand. Have you ever heard that before? Yeah, yeah. And one of the biggest, so we actually ran a, a perspective lab for one of the big uh, cellular companies and they were trying to create a, a, a social network. They'd started creating a social network inside the company. And the problem with the social network inside the company is that they said that you're only allowed to be on the social network if your phone number is with us. Now, this is the funniest social network ever because I'm on one, uh, I'm on their social network, on their, on their cellular network, but my best mate, Don, and my wife, Jazz, aren't. So I could be on a social network, but I couldn't be on with my wife and my friend because they don't have the phone in the same place. Now, when you're doing something on brand and driving towards, you know, how should it be done at this company and these things, it's very, very, you know, some of these things seem obvious. Of course, we're not going to let in people from our, our opposition. And when we went back to them with our findings, we actually presented back a week later, was that we thought they should close this down altogether and buy somebody else's network that had already created it externally. And what amazes me about the on-brand thing is that they're very, very easy for them to say, yes, we can totally buy that company that's broken a whole hundred of rules that we have, but make it work internally than, than to make something internally because then you are restricted by the brand guideline. But don't be restricted by them work it under the assumption that this was an outside company you're going to buy later. Break all those rules up front and then and then fix it at a later stage. And the case in point in this um, is not something we were involved in, but uh, the guys from Standard Bank, they created an innovation lab outside of Standard Bank. It was run by a guy called Paul Stienkamp. who's an amazing innovator. And uh, Paul actually built up and incubated businesses uh, well, in fact, he didn't. What he did is he bought pre-incubated businesses and he worked out how he could make them fit in Standard Bank. And of course, that's why we all see SnapScan today because he went to Fire ID, I think it was, who had this business. He bought it. He made it work separately. He broke all rules that Standard Bank wouldn't let him break, but he broke them all separately and then he just flicked it in later. And so he used perspective as a superpower. Yeah, I guess the kind of key point we want to land here to our listeners, and that's every one of you listening to us right now, is that if you're stuck, it's probably because you are missing perspective. Right. right. And asking people for perspective isn't a sign of weakness. 
right? Often people are, we can't ask someone outside. Yeah, they'll think we're stupid. They'll think we're dumb. Whatever the case is, it is imperative to consistently ask people. Like, so our brain trust members, for example, we also, because sometimes if you think it's a bit uh, uh, silly, it might just seem silly to you, but it might seem amazing to them, right? So one of the rules we have for our brain trust members is just because it's obvious to you, to you doesn't mean it's obvious to them, right? And for you to uh, not hold thy tongue and to share that stuff because it's it's only going to benefit them. One of the other rules we have as well with our brain trust is um, if you hire us to work on a prospective project for your company, then uh, part of the fee so you're is subsidized by the fact that you've agreed to be on another future perspective lab, the non-competitive company. And it would always be non-competitive or else there'd be no perspective. So it's the realization that in one area, you're the person asking, but in the other area, you're the person giving. And that's how we got such a well-populated brain trust. <laughs> Guys, thank you. I think we've really hammered this point home. If you guys are listening, it's all about perspective and the power that that can unlock in your business. Thanks, guys. And I'm really glad we're talking about this because in the next episode, we're going to be unpacking Legacide. And I think Legacide is almost like a byproduct of a lack of perspective. Right. Absolutely. So, so this is Matt signing off. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I'll see you in the next episode. And remember, if you would like to save your audiences from boredom and for all your leadership needs, check out msnglnk.com.